0: Good morning. Welcome to Village Bible Church. I'm Pastor Ron, one of the pastors here. Good to see everybody. And as we're ready, thank you, Joe, for the reminder that it's Valentine's Day. That's, um, good to remember for, for a whole lot of reasons. But, um, we're going to jump back into our, the last week of our current little mini series here of what it looks like to be family in a church. How do we be family? And I just want to start with a saying that we all, all know. It takes decades to build a reputation, but it takes seconds to destroy a reputation. True statement? Yeah, because a reputation, a witness, or our testimony is based on faithfulness or consistency over a period of time. Longer time we do something, the more that's associated with us. On the good side, but if we break that reputation, then it just takes seconds to break that reputation. A couple could be married for 20 years and have a, a vibrant, strong relationship and have this reputation of everyone they know of having a perfect marriage, and that can be stro- destroyed in seconds of a sinful idea or a sinful um, action. And so we, we understand this, and today we're going to sort of switch that into talking about the reputation of the church. But we, we know this from, from just real life, Right? Kansas City had a reputation of being a good football team. And last Sunday, it took three hours to change that reputation. Actually, it took about 20 minutes to change that reputation. Um, yeah, you know, I, I could say I love my wife like I, like I just was talking about marriage. And that can be my reputation. And maybe Susie knows that I love her. And if I go home today and say, you know what, just leave me alone. It's Daytona 500 day. On Valentine's Day, that reputation of loving her is gone. Now, now I'm a very fortunate man because she wants to watch Daytona 500 more than I do. And so it is going to be romantic and awesome (laughs) as we watch cars make left turns. Um, (laughs) You should try it. It's great. Um, But what about the church? And what about ourselves? What is... What about our reputation? What about our testimony? And today we're going to use the word testimony a lot. And I'll interchange that with reputation and witness. But our testimony is what we present as truth from our actions. It is, do our, does our talk match our actions? People are going to believe our actions much more than our talk, aren't they? That's how testimonies work. That's how reputation, reputations work. And if we go out there in the world and we say, we're Christians, we're believers, I guarantee they're going to be inspecting our actions to see what we do and to see if our actions support our reputation. Now, today, as with the last three weeks, I also want to broaden our thinking. My hope in these three weeks is that we've stirred a different way of thinking in the church and a different way of making decisions in the church. And so that that change, and I'll just remind us again, is, is not so much how do my decisions affect me, but how do my decisions affect the family? Okay, so I'm trying to get us to move away from individualistic thinking to group thinking, we would call it, a strong group mentality that puts God's church, God's family, as more of a priority than myself. And and this affects every aspect of thinking. Every decision we make should be, how does this affect God's people, not what do I want to do? And, and we normally make decisions, what do I want to do, right? But part of that, and, and I would argue one of the first things should, that should be, first thing is how does this affect God and his reputation? Second thing is how does this affect my ability to love and minister to people around me? How does this affect the church family? And so we will make decisions that give up personal freedoms For the sake of ministering to each other, and that is right, and that is biblical. In fact, Paul pounds that into us over and over and over again to try to change our thinking on that. So today, as we talk about testimonies, I want to, I want to exercise that same principle. And this isn't just about your personal testimony today. Now that's part of it because your personal, all of our personal testimonies combine together to make the church's testimony. But as we make decisions, It is just as important to think two other ways. How does this affect my church's testimony? How does this affect God's reputation? And then we have a different reasoning for it. See, if it's just about my testimony, what can I rationalize away when I'm alone? Anything I want, right? I can do anything I want. Because no one else sees. But if I start to realize I'm part of a bigger family, I'm part of a bigger thing that God is doing, and that I am to, to, to bring God glory in everything I do, that is a deeper reason for making the right decisions. It is so easy, we, this year our theme is undistracted. And it's so easy to allow ourselves to get distracted from all these things. It is, it is so easy to get distracted from having a, a strong, godly gospel reputation. And and I don't think we we actively deny that and want to damage our reputation. I just think we don't think of it sometimes. It's not top of mind. And so we're not making decisions proactively to say, how can I build my reputation for Christ? How can I build the church's witness for Christ? And so today, the fourth point, when we've done three, I will protect the unity of God's church, I will share the responsibility of God's church. I will serve the ministry of God's church. Number four, I will support the testimony of God's church. I will support the testimony of God's church. And this is our family covenant, that as you come into the family and come into membership, this is part of our expectations of each other. I will support the testimony of God's church. Now, when we think testimony... The word used there in the Greek is martyrian and it, it's where we get martyr from a little bit, but it's this idea of being a witness or a proof of something or a declaration of a truth. So being a witness or proof of something. Think about that one for a minute. If my life is a testimony for Jesus, I am now a witness of Jesus and I'm proof. I love the proof part of this. I am to live proof that Jesus is real, that he has saved me and it makes a difference. See, see how the testimony then comes into proof? Also the second half of that, a declaration that makes something known. Is my life declaring Jesus to others to make him known? Is our church declaring to everyone that comes in here, Jesus Christ and making him known? So when we talk about testimony all of those things are are built into it martyrs like I said where the Greek uh, uh, root from the Greek that they were willing to die for their testimony which I I love that that's part of this word rather than sacrifice their testimony and deny Christ they were willing to die for him because it was more about making God big in, in the world than making themselves big and so again we have my testimony then how would I define that in our context because Testimony can be about anything. In our context, we're talking about our Christian testimony, testimony of Jesus Christ. My testimony is my presentation and proof of the gospel, good or bad, through my life and story. My presentation and proof of the gospel, good or bad, through my life and my story. Because our witness for Christ, our testimony for Christ, we can do that well and we can do that poorly. Poorly. We can give people a a wonderful, beautiful view of who Jesus is and his love and and what the gospel has done as our life, or we can give people a testimony that says, Jesus doesn't matter. My life is no different. And so that's the context of testimony for personally, but of God's church, just sort of fitting in different words, the testimony of God's church is the church's presentation and proof of the gospel through worship, family life, church family life, and practice. It's the church's presentation and proof of the gospel through worship, family life, and practice. Now this is where we have to start thinking a little different because we have to start understanding that what we do affects the testimony of everyone else in this room. The choices I make this week affect to some degree your testimony right that makes sense i know that's that's we don't like that in america we we don't like being dependent on anyone else my choices affect your testimony if they affect the testimony of this church if if we go out and and we're going through grocery store or something and and out front we see one of the elders here just drop dead drunk on the sidewalk does that affect the testimony of the church Yeah, does that, if I'm with somebody that I've been witnessing to for Christ and I walk by that person, they say, hey, Pastor Ron, how you doing? You know, whatever you sound like drunk, I don't know. Um, (laughs) What does that do to my testimony to the person I'm walking up with? And so we've got to start thinking group and we've got to start thinking family. What I do affects you, what you do affects me. You know, one pastor that I was listening to last week um, a, a podcast for pastoral leadership, and this pastor had just taken a church in a small town. And he goes to town, and he knew the church, but he didn't know much else, and his first time in the town, goes to town, he's in the grocery store, and smaller town, so people actually talk to you. And um, they're talking, and they're like, oh, you're new and he said, I'm new in town. Like, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor of so, such, and such I'm a pastor of the church. What church? He says the church's name, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. That's the church that is always fighting and gossiping about each other. She wasn't a believer. She didn't go to church. But the reputation of what people in that church were doing affected the church's witness. And and the pastor, is a funny podcast just about leadership. He's like, what did I get myself into? Because he didn't know any of that about the church. When you take a new church, everything's all rosy and everything looks great sort of like dating and then he found out the truth that nobody is perfect he stayed did wonderful work in that church but i pray that we don't go into ralph's or vons or costco and have someone say oh you go to village because they see my shirt sometimes oh i'm sorry that's the church that hates their community now praise god that isn't our reputation. And we've seen that change. And I've heard from our neighbors and even this last um, Project Touch, you all came back to me with stories and, and our reputation, praise God right now, is that this is the church that loves their community. Isn't that cool? And that's because of individuals doing God's work. Just to start, I want to I start with an example from the early church of this and then we'll jump into our points. And today, just sort of a roadmap, we're going to spend most of our time on on um, what it means to have a witness, and then point A, and a little bit of point B, but B through D sort of overlap each other, so we'll move through those a little quicker. So if we get at the end of point A, and you're like, wow, we're never going to make it, it's intentional this morning. Other weeks, it's not, but um, <laughs> it is this morning. Turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, because I think the example of the early church is a wonderful portrayal of this truth in action. Acts chapter 2. And I want to look at some very familiar verses, but I want you to think of them from a different perspective, from the concept of witness, and what is our witness to the people around us, and what is our witness as a church. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So you see this church family devoted to each other. They're studying God's word. They're spending time together in community and loving each other in community, breaking bread, they're they're eating together, and they're praying for each other. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Are you getting a picture of this church, the community, and what they're doing? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. How often were they together? Day by day, right? Okay, so this is a serious commitment. This isn't an announcement that we're having church every day and you need to be here every night. No, that, but this is an illustration of the commitment they had to each other. Breaking bread in their home. They received their food. 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And this is 47 is where you get to start to see their testimony. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How was God able to add to their number day by day? Now, I know God can do whatever he wants and the Holy Spirit works. But what was the means God was using here to add to their number every day? He was using how the church was relating to each other, how the church was in community. He was using the witness of the church and the power of his word together. We didn't read that, you know, one person was reading a scroll on the apostles' teaching and then they had dinner together alone and, well, together alone doesn't make sense. Then they had dinner alone. And then, um, you know, they, they made sure their own needs were met. And in fact, every now and then they'd sell one of their possessions so they could do what they wanted with it and meet their own needs. And then they would go to church alone and sit by themselves. That's not what you read, right? This, this passage is dripping with church family and church community. And how God used that to to shine such a light on the gospel that we know from chapter 4, thousands were coming to Christ. Starting with these 12 guys. And God did a work in his church that was amazing because the church's testimony was that of the word of loving each other and being sold out for God. And he used it. Isn't that a great example for us? of just the power of testimony and the power of what God can do. And and so we we jump to some of the points. And actually, almost all the points you can see in that passage, but we'll look at some of the verses that we use in our um, membership covenant and our family covenant. But point number A, letter A, how do we build the the testimony of the church? How do we support the testimony of the church? By attending and worshiping faithfully. By attending and worshiping and worshiply, worshiping faithfully. One of the distracting thoughts that can keep us from doing this well is, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm there every week. No one will miss me. You know what? I only serve once a month, and so the other weeks I can do something else. And that is some of the lies of Satan trying to keep us from being together regularly. The question we need to ask ourselves, am I at church regularly and actively worshiping? And it's great to be here, but am I actively worshiping while I'm here? Am I really here? Am I present when I come? And so the verses that we have in our, our family covenant are Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And these, again, are familiar verses. And when we read them, keep your thumb there because we're going to look at the five verses before that as well. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And so we see the exhortation of the saints, the community helping us walk with God, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so right here from this text, the author of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit through the author of Hebrews is saying, don't neglect meeting together. You've got to get together. That's how you stir up one another to love and good deeds, which we know from Scripture is how we show God's glory to the world. This is how we encourage one another. This is how we grow spiritually. See, active attendance, regular attendance does something. Not only is it formative in our own spiritual walks, but it shows something in our testimony. It shows what is important to us and what we love. Right? If we're actively committed to anything, it usually shows either what's important to us or what we love. We're committed to what we love. Let's take that one first. Sports. Some of you are Angels fans here. Praise God. We love each other well. Good for you, yeah. (laughs) Chances are, if you say that you are an avid Angels fan, what would I expect you to do sometimes? Go to an angels game, watch an angel's game. Know that they're in Southern California. I don't know. I mean, so if someone says yes, I'm an avid angels fan and and that stadium that overlooks Los Angeles is beautiful. I'm like, you're not an angels fan. you have it right, but you're not an angels fan. so <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> we are- what we talk about. What we're committed to, what's part of our lives reflects what we love. For many years, one of my children, every time we drive by Angel Stadium, they're like, ooh, Dodger Stadium. (laughs) And we never corrected them. It was awesome. (laughs) Until later when they figured it out. I don't even know which one it was, but no, no, not now. I'd owe them a dollar. Um, You know, sometimes people just, and I'm using just, Really physical things that we can love, or, or just secular things. But some of you love Star Wars. How many of you are Star Wars fans? Yeah, okay. Now, if, if I was to find out you're a Star Wars fan, and I'm gonna, and then I jokingly say, I am your father. And if you look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you are not a Star Wars fan. I mean, if you like episode five, you are not a Star Wars fan. Sorry. <laughs> That's a long discussion between some of us here. Um, I've just killed myself today. (laughs) No, we commit to what we love. If someone says they're committed to their family and they're never with their family, I would question that commitment. Now, I know that there's extraneous situations and circumstances, and, and I know that sometimes men are 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 willing to die for their families and they're having to work and sometimes out of town. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the opportunity is available and we ignore things, that means I would question our love for those things. We also commit to, to what matters. To what matters. We commit to work, right? Those of us that are, are providing for families, we commit to work. doesn't necessarily mean we love to work, but we commit to it. If we're at the 14th of the month and you say, yeah, I've been to work three times this month, well, yeah, you're not committed to work. You probably don't have a job anymore either, but um, no, we commit to what we love. We commit to what matters. So switch gears now to the church and God's family and regular attendance, a, a commitment. If we commit to what we love and what matters and we don't commit to the church, what testimony are we presenting to those that see us? And that's where we start to go, oh, oh, I thought going to church didn't matter. I'm still walking with God. I'm still good with God. Some of why we're here is the testimony that this matters, that worship matters. There's a lot of other reasons to attend, and I'm just taking one this morning to talk about, but worship to, worshiping together matters. See, regular attendance is a testimony to others about your commitment to your faith and to worshiping God. A testimony to others about your commitment to your faith and worshiping God, both to each other and to outsiders. And so that's why the author of Hebrews says and challenges us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so are we committed to each other? Are we committed to worship? Do we come on time for worship and make sure that we are able to sing and and make sure we are able to participate in that part? Now, worship is the whole service. It's the word, it's music, it's prayer. But let's not leave one of those aspects out, because then it begins to question our commitment to worship and to our Lord. Now, I understand that this last year has been weird. Strange. And I know, and, and I so appreciate even the ones that are watching online. And I know there's legitimate reasons why we haven't been able to come out, and why some of you for health reasons can't come out. but what this is talking about is when the opportunity is available. Are we committed to it? When the And so it can be easy to get used to watching at home. It was comfortable. Well, I never got to watch in my jammies. That would have been weird up here. <laughs> but you guys posted pictures of like coffee and danishes and jammies and, the, and I'm like, this is awesome. This isn't fair. But here's the question. when When the circumstances have changed, Do we stay with that or do we come out to be with God's people? And God's word would challenge us to come out and be with God's people because it matters, not just to our spiritual lives, but to our testimony as a church. Your fingers are still in Hebrews 10, I hope. You have that open. I want to jump back because we use those two verses, but those are the end of a whole section that blows me away. That it's, I call it my salad passage, and you'll see why in a minute. But it starts with in verse 19. It starts with the therefore, where he's taking a whole lot of concepts and driving them home. But he's going to give some first parts of an equation. Since this is true, since this is true, since this is true, this is true do this. And actually, the do this is always let us do this, which is why I call it my salad passage. Um, it's silly, but it helps me remember the passage. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let's just stop there. His argument is since you're able to come and come to worship because Jesus shed his very blood for you to be able to do that. If I'm reading this the first time and I'm like, oh, oh man, he's, he's, he's really making a case here. Since Jesus paid for our ability to worship and to worship together with his very blood. Verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened up through us, opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And what that verse means is through his fleshly sacrifice on the cross, he opened up the curtain to the Holy of Holies in the temple. And, and I know we don't have a temple and we don't have a curtain here in the Holy of Holies, but in the Holy of Holies was the presence of God. And only the priest got to go there once a year. And we know that when Jesus was on the cross, as he died, the moment as he's taking our sins on himself, paying for our sins, and he's the sacrifice for our sins, that curtain was ripped. And this is not, no human hands could have ripped this curtain. It's not a light piece of fabric. And this curtain was supernaturally ripped in half, showing that through the body of Jesus Christ, we now have access to God who created the universe. To God Almighty. Oh, village, don't take that privilege lightly. That is a huge huge statement of our access to God and worship, of our access to God as we come together. And it says now, we have confidence to enter the holy places through Jesus' blood, through his flesh that was tortured and beaten and died on the cross. He's ripped the curtain so we can come in and before the throne of God, worship him. And then he doesn't stop there. He's laying it thick. He's making a great case. 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God and that great priest is Jesus Christ and the rest of Hebrews really fleshes that out a whole lot but it's saying and since Jesus is there to help you worship because a priest would assist in worship would facilitate worship since Jesus is going to help you come before God if those things are true might there be some ramifications some things we should do out of this? and that's the salad part the lettuce And so we get to 22, so then let us draw near. And he's talking about worship. He's talking about coming together already back in 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And he's saying, so let's come. Let's come and worship. Let's draw near to God. And we can do that in our prayers. We can do that in our personal lives. But we're going to see the context where he goes with it is we should be doing that as community as well. And making sure our hearts are are clean. Making sure we've confessed sin. Making sure that, that we have given that to God. But since God has made the impossible happen, might we see an importance of coming to him in worship? That's the argument. There's no comparison. This is powerful to me. This is powerful on days that I'm just tired. And I don't want to come. And yeah, I know I'm the pastor, but I wasn't always a pastor. This is powerful on days where maybe there's a slight headache or a little sniffle or something. This brings new importance to coming together. See, the two halves of this here, verses 22 through 24... Regular attendance grows our walk with God and grows out of our walk with God. And then we're going to see in in the verses we already looked at, 24 and 25, regular attendance is a testimony about our commitment to God's church. Those are the two halves of this. And so then we, we get to 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so it's saying, hold your faith close. Hold fast to it. Don't let it waver. Don't let it change. The confession of our hope is Jesus Christ. We have no hope without Jesus. There's no heaven without Jesus, without trusting in Jesus. So he says, okay, let us draw near. Let us hold fast. For he who promised is faithful. And so coming to God in worship reflects our our spiritual walk. And it affects everything that people see of what's important to us. You know, these drawing near the true heart, holding fast the confession. Confessions often happen in a a worship setting. Um, And then moving on to to the next verses, 24 and 25. Stirring up one another to love and good deeds. Meeting together regularly as is the habit of some. All of these things reflect the importance of worship. Which reflects the importance of our God. And so, uh, again, I I know this is a little bit of a soapbox, but do we come and engage in worship in every aspect? Or do we pick and choose parts of the morning that's our thing? Well, you know, I really love the music, so that's where I'm really going to engage. Or I really hate the music, so I'm just not going to sing during the music. I'm going to endure it so I get to the Word. Or maybe we get to the Word and some of you are like, well, I was ministered to by the music and Pastor Ron's pretty boring that long. So, hey, I get a good nap so I can be awake for the Daytona 500. And some of you are like, let's dig into the Word. This is, this is why I'm here. It's all worship. It's all coming before the throne. And if we engage that well, it, it reflects well on Jesus Christ. What happens, and and I've seen this happen, I've heard it happen from newcomers that have left um, in in past years. What happens if newcomers come in and maybe they're just trying to figure out who is this Jesus, what is this Christianity thing, and we're singing and they see two people singing? What What is the logical conclusion? That group really doesn't care about what they're singing. And, and it, it hinders our testimony. Now, at the same time, I've talked to people that have come in and said, wow, I have never seen so many people singing. You guys must really believe what you're singing. What do we wanna, wh- which image do we want? See, singing isn't just about whether I like that song or not. Singing is about what testimony of God's church am I portraying. We've got to stop thinking of ourselves and start thinking of God's church. That's some of the the context of this. That's some of what's happening here. We looked at 24 and 25 already. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And, And that's discipleship in many ways. That's exhortation. That doesn't happen alone. That only happens as we come together we see a little bit later encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. And that's how we show love to each other. That's how we practice the one another's. It is really hard to practice the one another's at home alone. Now it can be done. There are stages of life where I know that has to happen and we have some people that that are, are ill and some people that are in bedridden And so they they can do this by writing notes and praying in other ways. But in the general in the general context where it's available and we can do it, the one another's happen in community. And we know Jesus said they'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. And so all of this is tied to our testimony. All of this is is what God is using to bring encouragement to the church family. I think of your family. And and let's just assume that you are able to have dinner together every night. And let's say a couple members of your family decide, you know what, I love that time. I'm going to make it at least twice a week. The other days I'm just going to eat in my room. What does that say about family? What does it say about us when we don't prioritize coming together? And I'm not trying to beat us over the head with this but I do feel like I'm trying to fight a culture that has minimized coming together. And I see it in the stats. Now, what's defined as regular attendance is twice a month in most surveys of churches right now. And my heart breaks because God created His church for so much more than that. He created His church to come together and to support each other and for us to live life in community Not just for us, though, but because it reflects who he is. And like the Acts Church, it brings people to him. Oh, may we see the importance of that. One family went to the beach on Sunday morning and just was a regular thing to miss church for a lot of different reasons. And they're at the beach and one of the kids asked dad, why didn't we go to church today? He's like, well, we can worship God just as well here by ourselves as we can in that little building. And the child says, then why don't we? Innocently calling out, Dad, there is power village to worshiping together. Thank you for being a church where I see a lot of your faces every week. And I like it. Because we're family. Moving on. We support the testimony of the church by regularly attending and worshiping. Second one is we support the testimony of the church by living a godly life based on God's Word as our sole authority. By living a godly life based on God's Word as our sole authority. This is the question, am I doing what the Word commands? Am I, or am I disobeying God's Word? You have proactive, am I doing what it says to do? And you have restrictive or prohibitive, am I, am I not doing what it says not to do? But the, the foundation of this one is, am I putting an importance on God's word? The importance you and I place on God's word and living by God's word affects each other's testimony. We know that. I've already given examples of that. But we need to know God's word and we need to put it into practice to have a testimony uh, that says Village Bible Church. You know, one of the elders often says, well, Bible's our middle name. Whenever we talk about that, everything we do is to be infused with the Bible. Everything we do should be digging deep into God's Word and based in God's Word. Part of that is because that's part of the testimony we want to have as a church, that the Bible is important and that God's Word is the foundation of our life. It's the the sole authority in our lives. And so when people come and when people hear about Village Village, Yes, I want them to know that we're a family that loves each other, but I want them to know that we're a family that is deeply committed to God's Word. Isn't that a cool testimony, if we can have that testimony? And so we want to put that into practice. Psalm 119.1, and and as you know, Psalm 119, the longest chapter of the Bible, all the verses except one speak of, of the commandments of God, of God's Word in some way. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. And the very first verse says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And right there from the start, blessed are those who live the word of God. That's their foundation. They live that word. Now, th- this particular point in our, in our covenant together focuses on God's word. The next couple focuses on our, on our actions that come out of that, but they overlap, right? You can't, if you love God's word, you're putting it into practice. So I'm like, how do I separate these three points? They just sort of all are different ways of looking at the same concept. And so we don't just want to live a good life. We, just, we don't just want to be good Christians and say that's our testimony. We want to live lives that are dripping God's Word. That are infused in God's Word. That people I, I saw someone accuse someone else on Twitter, man, you just, you just quote God's Word too much. Man, I want that to be my testimony. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Some of the verses that we have in our covenant, Philippians one twenty-seven it's one of them. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Think about that. Let your manner of life, how you act and, and how people look at how you act. So manner is more than just one action. It's a, it's a multitude of actions that are your reputation. Let your reputation, you could say, be worthy of the gospel of Christ, the message of the gospel. And yeah, that's not the entirety of God's word here, but, but it's, it's the section of God's word about Christ and who he is in the gospel. And the bigger picture is living by God's word. And then catch it. Testimony comes in on Philippians 1.27. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. That's testimony. When you start to hear things about someone else's reputation, that's their testimony, right? And so he says, walk according to God's word, according to the gospel, so I can hear you're standing firm in one spirit. That I can I can hear that you're with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel so stand firm second timothy three sixteen and 17 all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness so we'd know a lot about god right that's it now the next verse that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work the Bible is the foundation that, that just oozes out into our life and what we do and the good works that should come for that, from that. First Thessalonians 1, 6-8, you can just write that in and read that on your own sometime. Paul encourages the Thessalonians because they received the Word and lived their life based on it. Village, when people know we're basing our lives on something and when they see a life... That is different because of that. That is a testimony that will make them ask more questions. Yes, it may bring some ridicule. Love it. Embrace it. And get to the gospel. Because if they're ridiculing you, that means they've noticed something and you have an open door. Just, you know, think of challenges as opportunities. The Bible is our sole authority. Now, now, To to really get this one and how this affects the church's testimony, sometimes I think it's it's helpful to think of the opposite. What happens if we don't make the Bible the foundation for how we act and treat each other and worship? Does that affect our testimony? Yeah, number one, there's going to be a lot of drift really quickly. But if someone comes in and never hears God's word, why stay? That's a social club. There's nothing that they have to offer. It's testimony lost. It's testimony lost. If they see a people that are never in God's Word, and this is where our individual actions affect the group. If they see a people that don't know God's Word, if they see a people that can't figure out a, a number of things about the Bible, that just are clueless about the Bible, then that says something about the church, and no thanks. Now, again, understand, we're all at different stages. And so if if you're a new believer or just here today trying to figure out who Jesus is, we're glad you're here, and you're learning. And hopefully because the community is infused with God's Word, it's going to drip all over you, and, and you'll learn it. But if you've been here a while, oh, my heart is that you know God's Word, and that you're learning God's Word every day, and that... It is the foundation of your life. What is your foundation? So here's the final way that this can be a distraction to a testimony. If our foundation is not God's word, but we say we're believers, what will come out in our life inevitably is hypocrisy. And hypocrisy will turn people away from the gospel quicker than almost anything else. It's why so many are turning away from politics right now. Not going to go there. But you know, we see how much we hate hypocrisy. The same is true of our testimony. Let's be a people that have a foundation of God's word. So then letter C, which is just sort of the second half of this one. I'm like, ah, I have a hard time separating these two. We support the testimony of the church by having the example of my actions and speech reflect Christ well to others we support the testimony of God's church by having the example of my actions and speech reflect Christ well to others the question we can ask ourselves on this one is how will others see and experience Christ's love in what I'm doing or saying so this is a very proactive sense a very intentional sense how is what I'm doing going to show Christ's love to someone else that's really where this one's going, to, to really put letter B into action, the foundation into action. How will others see my actions? How will others see my speech? How will others see my posts? Do they reflect Christ well to others? And again, it's a different way of making decisions. Instead of saying, I'm going to do what I want, part of my decision-making process needs to be, how will this show Christ to others? Or will this detract from showing Christ to others. And even neutral things, we 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 can reorient our thinking on neutral things like going to lunch or something like that. And say, okay, well how will this reflect my love for others? Takes that ordinary activity and makes it something that's godly, that brings glory to God. This will be our last point. And and so maybe thinking how can I show God's love to others, maybe that's how we act when we're at a restaurant. How we treat the waiter or waitress whether we're kind and understanding or whether we're demanding. Because one helps your testimony, one trashes your testimony. Maybe it's saying, you know what, I'm going to go to lunch and I'm going to see if another family or another person wants to go along. And and now we're taking an ordinary activity like Taco Bell, or Del Del Taco's now the thing, right? Um, Del Taco, and... Now I'm making it a spiritual activity because now I'm bringing along a brother or sister in Christ and there's fellowship or a neighbor or something. I mean, how can we show Christ's love to others in a proactive sense? 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. Turn there. 2 Corinthians 2, 3, verses 2 through 3. And this is our primary text for this particular commitment to each other. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth second letter. There's been some problems. He's addressed some of them. They're doing well on some things. They're really struggling on other things. And so he appeals to this concept of testimony to motivate them to, to, to follow Christ and to have their actions reflect Christ. Second Corinthians 3, 2-3. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And a letter of recommendation would go along with an itinerant preacher to say, okay, these are my credentials. This is why you should listen to me and come. And Paul is saying, your life, how you live, is a letter of recommendation for my ministry. It's a testimony to the truth that Paul is saying. Verse 3, and you show that you are a letter from Christ, so he's authored it, delivered by us, authored it through the ministry of Paul, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. Your life is not only a huge part of your testimony, it is a huge part of the testimony of every person that is invested in you. So when we go out... How we live in this world is a testimony to how we minister to each other here. It's a testimony to the ministry of village, to the ministry of those that have discipled you, that have invested in you. And, and it brings credibility to the message so people will come and they will hear. First Peter 2.12, Peter talks about this to non-believers Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Act in a way in accordance, that's honorable in accordance to what God has said and they will see your good deeds, which is an action, and glorify God on the day of visitation. We know this one. What we do outside of these walls affects our testimony. But also the challenge this morning is to remember it reflects each other's testimony. It confirms or denies the ministry of God's church. And so how we act Monday to Saturday matters. It matters to our family, church family. matters to our witness. Letter D there, we support the witness of the church by making everything I do give glory to God. And this is a summary of everything in the Christian life, I think. And we, we see that in the Westminster Confession. This is the summary of how we should live. Make everything I do give glory to God. And so it's a fitting way to end our series, not just this point, but the whole series. And, and when we think of giving glory to God, I, I just want to, to, to make sure we, we have our theology right. We aren't adding to God's glory. God has all glory. then I call that his inherent glory, the glory he has. And and we read passages that are amazing about the glory of God, right? I'm not going to make God better. But what we're talking about, whenever we see passages like glorify God or bring glory to God, I call that his reputational glory. I am not making God better, but I'm making him better in the eyes of someone else. I can assist or detract from His his reputation, right? So now we've gone from the, the witness of the church to the reputation of God. And we are ambassadors and we are we are enlisted in this. And so I am to, and the, the way I worded it is a question because okay, I use Christianese a lot. I've grown up in the church and giving God glory can be Christianese, right? What does that mean? And so the way that, that and this, this may seem simplistic, but how am I making God big to those around me? How am I making him big to those around me? How am I helping them see God in a new way, in a glorious way? And that's what we're tasked to do in everything we do. Let me just read these verses, four of them, and there's more, but just to give you a sense. You don't have to turn to them. You can later. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, that's letter B and C, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So if our foundation is God's Word and our works come out of that foundation and we're actively showing Christ's love to others, they will give glory to God, the Father who is in heaven. We will make God big in their eyes. 1 Corinthians 10.13, it's on the wall of our gym. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, which covers everything, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do, how does this make God big in the lives of those around us? Man, that makes significance to everything we do. And it challenges us to be undistracted in our testimony to say, I am going to intentionally do things that make God big for those around me. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do in word or in deed or in everything, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Everything we do can either advance or detract from God's reputation. What will we do? And again, there's there's got to be intentionality here how am I going to make God big to those around me? It might mean taking in my neighbor's trash cans for him. Doing something as simple and loving as that. It might mean um, talking about God and what he's doing more. We can't make God big just with our actions. There's got to be truth and, and talk associated with that. When I'm relaxing at home with family, I can make God big in my family. Those are discipleship moments. Parenting isn't about getting them to do what I demand. Parenting is about discipling them to follow the God of the universe. And now I'm bringing glory to God instead of just torturing my kids. Do our conversations lift God up? When we get together, do we struggle? Are we making Him great with each other? Or do we struggle with gossip or critical talk? Or do we encourage each other? Make God big to those around you. Worship team, I'd love you to come up as we we close. I want to re-sing one of the songs about giving God glory and that that glory belongs to Him. But we need to make a decision that everything we do is to make God big. I, I was reading an illustration and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I have the guts to do this, but this is really cool how someone chose to do this. The author had stopped at a McDonald's and placed their order, came through the drive through window, because what else can you do right now? And noticed that the, the person had an attractive hand-carved cross hanging from their neck. And he said, I like your cross. So, so he's trying to sort of bring God into the conversation. And her reply showed how simple it is to share one's testimony. She said, thank you. I like the person who died on the cross for my sins. <laughs> And I love the person who rose from the grave after having died on the cross. She could have just said thank you. But she chose to make God big in her conversation in a drive-thru window at McDonald's. Where are you going to make God big this week? What conversation? What place? Do we have the guts to do something like this? It's just two sentences. And I'm like, I I can't. But we... As a family, support the testimony of God's church. We make him big in the world around us. This is vitally important. Let's stand and sing to the glory of God. You are, as that word says, you're heavy and you have a weight to you, and all glory is ascribed to you, and you are magnificent and you are awesome, and all kinds of words we can't even understand. And Lord, fill us with an understanding of that glory so that we want to show it to others so that becomes our passion and that becomes our intention lord lord help us to get out of our own heads and the things that distract us and the things that we want and start to realize the joy and power of finding ways to be a witness for you and finding ways to show your glory lord i pray that you would unleash your power through this church Lord, we have seen people come to you and I I know so many people are praying for people that don't know you. Lord, I pray that we collectively would be a testimony that brings you glory, that honors you, and ultimately you choose to use to bring people into your kingdom. Lord, thank you for the church. Thank you for this church and the power we have together to declare your glory. In your precious name,